0: Again, I, I'm Pat, one of the elders here at Faith Community Bible Church, and uh, just blessed to be uh, with you in this season of, of Advent. Um, and, and Advent is a, a time we've mentioned it several times today of uh, of anticipation, of uh, of preparation uh, as we as we prepare to celebrate uh, the birth of of Jesus, uh, God in the flesh, God made man, the, the fully God. Uh, full, fully man, we, we get to do a lot of things. We're singing Christmas carols, and again, we've got opportunities to do, do that tonight, uh, to do this uh, Saturday night, more, more singing. Uh, we've got this, the Christmas carol sing, uh, where, or, uh, where we'll be going around to other people's houses and singing. Uh, there's lots of uh, traditions, probably, that you are familiar with, that, that you might do with your family or have done uh, with, with your, your family. You're probably, like us, um, looking forward uh, perhaps, to, to people uh, coming from a long distance uh, to, uh, to come and celebrate uh, with us, to gather, to practice family uh, traditions and, and, and share special meals. And, and um, there is an excitement that comes with this anticipation um, of, of fulfilled dreams, of, of uh, expectation uh, or hope. But the real expectation of Advent uh, the, the true meaning of Advent uh, that comes with the true meaning of, of Christmas is, um, is this expectation, not of a possibility of what might be, but a certainty of what is, of, of what was, what will be. Because God always fulfills his promises. Jesus' birth was a long-anticipated uh, um, fulfillment of many of his promises God had promised to raise up a prophet like Moses back in Deuteronomy 18 uh, and, and Luke tells us in, in, in the book of Acts uh, that that this promise was fulfilled in Jesus and we find that, that God fulfills so many other promises in the birth of Jesus and the, the life and ministry of Jesus the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we see that God had prophesied that that the Messiah uh, would be born of a virgin, Mary, of a virgin. Uh, that this Messiah would be of the line of David, would be born in Bethlehem. We're told from our our reading today that he would be called Emmanuel, means means God with us. There would be a messenger who would prepare the way for him that he would be called a Nazarene, that he would speak and teach in parables. Uh, we, we, we see that in, in the promises that he would be uh, one who, who would heal the sick and the brokenhearted. And yet he would be portrayed by his own follower, that he would be mocked by those who he came to save, that he would be executed with criminals, that, that people would divide his clothing up uh, with, with, by lot we also find that that God ultimately fulfills this promised Messiah, the promises of the Messiah in in Jesus as as the Savior who would pray for his enemies, who who would be buried and yet rise again, ascend into heaven, sit at God's hand, uh, at his right hand, and offer us reconciliation for our sins. And so it's this anticipation uh, that the season of Advent represents this anticipation of the fulfillment of God's perfect promises in his perfect ways and the perfection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So as today, as we continue to celebrate Advent, we're going to consider some more promises that God made about this Messiah. Uh, ones that he made to a woman named, named Mary, we, Mar- Martha just read uh, from the scriptures here, the promises that would be fulfilled in the birth, the life, the ministry, and the ultimate reign of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord of our lives, the King of eternity. And that's, and that's our sermon in a nutshell, that, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and that as Jesus is the promised Messiah, he is also uh, Emmanuel, right? God with us. That, that he is um, the, the, the promised Messiah, and because he is the promised Messiah, that Jesus is Lord of our lives. And because he is the promised Messiah, he is also the King of Eternity. See, 400 years have passed uh, before these events from the, the time God last spoke to the prophets as recorded in, in Scripture. But the last promises of the Messiah's coming were 400 years ago um, from, from this, the time of our Scripture uh, today. In that 400 years, um, it, Israel's been invaded several times. It's been occupied by different empires and still is uh, by the Romans. Uh, the, the people had become used to being captives in Egypt and, 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 in, and in Babylon, and, and now they, they were used to uh, being captives in their own land. Oppression had become the norm, and hope in God's promised salvation had, had faded. Over that time, Many had probably forgotten about these promises altogether. Uh, others might have remembered them, but were doubting that they would be fulfilled. Uh, and, and still others had probably completely lost their faith in the God who had made these promises. Maybe they, they didn't believe in his goodness, uh, in, in his power to do anything about this. Maybe he thought that, they, that God had forgotten, that he didn't care or he wasn't faithful. And yet we know, we'll see this in the next chapter of of, of Luke, that there were some that remained faithful. Uh, In in Luke chapter 2, we read a man named Simeon, who remembered uh, these promises, who remained righteous and upright and devout, and and was in the temple praying and waiting for uh, the the Messiah, the one that, that Luke calls the comfort of Israel, or the consolation of Israel. But now, 400 years after those last promises were made, the angel Gabriel appears to this young woman and says, Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Did you catch what Gabriel just said? To Mary. If, if you did, that's, that's okay. It's apparent that Mary didn't really get it either. She was trying to discern, the, the scripture says, what kind of greeting this was. Uh, but here are these two important elements of this. First, Mary is favored. It's not that she's earned favor. It's not that she's in what the world would call favorable circumstances. She is a young girl in a male-dominated world. She is in a a land that is occupied uh, by others. She's in a small town of no real apparent uh, significance. Again, under occupation of a foreign power. And yet, in her humble circumstances, in her oppressed circumstances, Gabriel says that she is favored by God. And the cool thing about this, the, the Greek word that that uh, is used here in, in in the Gospel of Luke is only used one other time in all of Scripture. It's uh, it, it's found in Ephesians uh, chapter one verse six. He has blessed us in the beloved is, is what this this meaning uh, that 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 God has has favored us in Christ. So have no doubt, Mary. Has this special status uh, with, before God. She is favored. But we also need to make sure that we are clear, because this has been a stumbling block throughout history, uh, the, throughout the history of the church, that Mary is the recipient of this favor, not the originator of it. She is blessed in the beloved, not the one who blesses. And then the second thing that Gabriel says is, The Lord is with you. Gabriel's announcement proclaims this truth, that proclaims the nature of this favor that God has put on Mary, but also the nature of the God who is favoring. This is the God who throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, and throughout today is the God who is with us. Gabriel's pointing to this prophecy that this miracle God is about to perform is the fulfillment of the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. As Mary is troubled and she tries to discern what this means, Gabriel Gabriel first comforts her and then expounds. He not not only uh, uh, proclaims the coming fulfillment of of these prophecies, but he adds to them. So behold, Mary... uh, a virgin that you are going to conceive in your womb and bear a son. And again, this is pointing right back to Isaiah chapter seven, the prophecy of Emmanuel. He's, you will call him Jesus. It means the, the, the Hebrew Aramaic for this would be Yeshua. It means the God who saves or the Lord will save. You will call his name Jesus, the Lord who will save. And he will be great and call the son of of the Most High. There is no doubt what Gabriel is saying. This Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And the excite- excitement uh, that, that, that we have of this Christmas season, the excitement of, of all these gatherings and, and traditions and relationships, we should find this. To be especially encouraging. Because we are people that love or who love to be in relationship with one another. But get this God is with us. We are called to be in relationship with Him. That is the message of Christmas. So Jesus is this promised Messiah. And He is not only the God with us, we're told He is also the Lord of our lives. Pastor Josh warned us last week that there is a danger of believing uh, too easily. Uh, Reading one or two verses and missing all the context, the fine print, uh, the provisos, right? There is more to consider about the terms of this agreement, as it were. For Gabriel also preferred proclaims that in the fulfillment of these messi- messianic prophecies, Jesus will be given the throne of his father, David, the Messiah, and the Messiah alone is granted this throne. Emmanuel, God with us, is not only the Lord of the heavens, but he is the Lord of this earth. He is the only one who can claim authority as the Lord of the of our lives, and this may not be an especially welcome concept in our world, in our culture. We live in a country that was birthed by the rejection of a king. We live in a state that loudly proclaims, live free or die. We recoil at the idea of being subject to anyone or anything that would restrict our liberty. But the irony is that in our quest for self-determination, we actually put ourselves in slavery, in bondage, enslaved under the ter- what a friend of mine calls the terrible tyranny of self, bankrupted, bankrupted under the, the wages of sin, condemned in our trespasses. It's God himself that calls to us and says, live free or die. Not in our, this, this misguided sense of liberty, where we just get to go do whatever we want. But he's saying, no, live free eternally under my free gift of salvation through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? The one who, who says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. Right? Who's, whose yoke is easy, whose burden is light. He is the only one who can truly offer us the opportunity to live free rather than die. He's the only one, Paul writes later, who is able to free us from this body of death. Not only is Jesus this, this promised Messiah, this God with us, the Lord of our lives, Gabriel says that he is the king of eternity, that his kingdom will have no end. It's a reiteration of, of prophecies that are in uh, the book of, of Daniel in, in chapter 2 and chapter 7, and later that Jesus himself will expound upon, uh, and, and the writers of the New Testament in, in the book of Hebrews and in Revelation. See, while, Like the Romans' occupation of Israel, the enemy... Satan has this temporal control over the land, over the forces of this world. The Messiah comes to usher in a kingdom that will have no end. It's a kingdom that begins in the hearts of his followers and then it will eventually culminate in a renewal of heaven and of earth where the dwelling of place of God is with man, The writer of Revelation says, He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And how does this happen? Gabriel says because nothing is impossible with God. This is good news that Gabriel has come to pronounce. Right? As Mary's eyes are open and she, she hears these promises being made, this realizes that the fulfillment of, of these old prophecies is coming and, and that she's a part of it, she starts to comprehend at least to, to an extent and we see her heart start to change. You see her start to progress. She started by responding in fear, right, being greatly troubled, confused. And now she asks, how is this going to come to be? It's out of her realm of understanding. It's out of her realm of, of reality. And so, unlike Zechariah, if you read the, the, the chapter prior, uh, prior Zechariah, the father of, of John the Baptist, it, he has a hard time believing Gabriel when he's told that his, his wife is going to conceive a son. But Mary asks, instead of how am I to know that this is true, he says, how is this going to come to be? How, how will this come to be? So Gabriel answers and he explains how the Spirit is going to come upon her, that the truth of these prophecies is already being proved by this miraculous pre- pregnancy of, of her relative Elizabeth. And then he finishes with, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Yet as, as wonderful as this answer is, as amazing as it reads 2,000 years later, for us who, because we know the rest of the story that Mary, Mary didn't, these could not have been easy words for this young Jewish girl to hear, she's, she's promised to a Jewish man in, in marriage. In a culture where an unmarried, pregnant woman might not only be shamed, but actually put to death. We know from the Gospel of Matthew that Joseph didn't take this news well at first. And until he had a vision, until the Lord came and intervened, Joseph had in his way to put her away, to divorce her her. The Gospels don't record how her parents took this, her siblings, her neighbors, her relatives besides Elizabeth. They give us a hint, though, of the gossip that was spread uh, about Jesus and about Mary. There's gossip that was spread that Jesus was an illegitimate child, We know from early church writings that there was a rumor that was going around in the early church, or in in the time of the early church, that, that Jesus was the result of an affair between her and a Roman soldier. It's something that some people repeat today. Mary didn't know at this time what was going to happen, but she had to have recognized the implications to her in her culture, in her family, in her world. And yet, her response at the end of Gabriel's pronouncement is not one of fear, but it's one of faith and obedience. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Friends, every one of you came in this building today with some sort of struggle a challenge, a disappointment, a wound, a grief. Maybe even you are under a form of oppression. We live in a land that is under occupation. It's under occupation by an enemy and his forces. An enemy who is a thief, a liar, a murderer. And sometimes these promises from thousands of years ago may seem very faint in our memories. Maybe some of you have even forgotten them. Maybe you've lost hope in them being fulfilled. Maybe you're doubting that they ever will be. Maybe you've even rejected God, the God who made these promises. Maybe you think that he's uh, impotent, that he's uncaring, unfaithful, unloving. Maybe we even doubt um, or have rejected his existence. But these promises are real. The promises in this book are real. They are made by the God who created the entire universe, a, a universe that declares the glory of God, its creator. It, it's, it's a universe that day by day pours out speech and night by night pours out knowledge, knowledge and, and, and praise that, that tells us about God's existence, his power, his intention his creativity, his majesty, and his love. That same creator, the God of the universe, created humankind also. To, it's, the Bible says that he, he created us in his image, in his likeness, to be in relationship with him so that we would be his people and he would be God with us. That we might bring glory to him and enjoy him forever and that we would follow his perfect and his loving leadership as the lord of our lives as the caretaker of our souls and yet all of us from the first humans to those of us alive today every single one of us have sought not fellowship with him not to submit to this loving God's authority but to determine to determine for us What is right in our own eyes, in effect, to be our own gods. And the rebellion against God, this rebellion against God, the scripture says, is called sin. And he says that the wages of it, what we have earned by it, is death. This handing over, Paul writes, that, that he hands us over to our own desires and thus to eternal punishment. Eternal separation from this loving God that we have j- rejected. And Scripture says, again, that we have no excuse for it. We are powerless of our own accord to do anything about it, to, to escape from these eternal consequences. Scripture says that there are, n- there are no good deeds, no good things that we can do to, to, that can get us out of our predicament. There's no penance we can say, that there's no indulgence that we can buy, that we are trapped in these sins, imprisoned in an occupied land, oppressed and accused even by the devil, the prince of this world, and condemned by our own actions. But God, right? God is faithful even when we are unfaithful. See, immediately after this first man, this first woman, rebelled against him, he not only proclaimed the consequences of, uh, of sin, but he promised. He promised that one day Satan would be vanquished by the offspring of this woman who had sinned. And then throughout the Old Testament, through, through the prophets, he continued to build on that promise he told us that the saving victory would be would be achieved through a savior not a conquering king as the world uh, imagines but this suffering servant right? this one who would bear our griefs who would carry our sorrows would be stricken and smitten pierced for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities that this chastisement right, would be put on him so that we would have peace that with his wounds, that we would be healed, that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter for our sake, in order that we might live. And so after thousands of years, he fulfilled these promises through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin who suffered, died, was buried and rose again and is seated in his eternal throne preparing a place for his followers in his eternal kingdom. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he asks us, will you accept this sacrifice? Will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Will you trust in his work? and not yours, will you deny yourself to follow him? If not, would you? How can we help you to understand, to see, to to comprehend this, this amazing love, the beauty and depth, the fulfillment of God's promises delivered in Christ Jesus? And if you have accepted this gift, then you have something in common with this little girl that Gabriel is talking to 2,000 years ago, who was greatly troubled before the appearance of a mighty angel. And I alluded to this earlier, but, but turn with me. Uh, if, you're, if you're in your pew, pew Bibles, it'll be page 976, but it's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm just going to read the first six verses. Um, Sorry, uh, sorry, uh, three through six is what I'm going to read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Again, that word that the ESV says blessed in in, in verse 6 is the same word that's used back in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, to describe Mary as favored, the favored one. Again, it's the only other time in Scripture that that word is used. So hear this. Greetings, O oh favored one. The Lord is with you. So rejoice in Jesus, the God who comes to save you. Submit to Jesus, the Lord of your life, and hope in Jesus, the King who is preparing his kingdom, his eternal kingdom for us. Again, rejoice in Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He was sent into the world to save us, to be Yeshua, the Lord will save. What would it take for you to take First Thessalonians 5.16 to heart? It's, rejoice always, pretty short verse. Rejoice always. Not this sickly sweet, this fake, artificial, saccharine happiness right, that comes from, from things happening that you feel good about, but denies the truth of suffering and pain and oppression and death. But no, rejoice in the true joy that comes from knowing that God is sovereign, that God is able, that God knows, that he sees, that he is loving, and God is with us. Rejoice in Jesus. God who is with us, who came to save us. And if you rejoice in him, then submit to him. He is the Lord who came to lead us. May our hearts be like Mary. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What would it look like for you not only to rejoice always in the hope of your salvation, but to live as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly a servant. A servant who wakes up in the morning eager to know what God has in place for your life today. The works that he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. To ask in prayer, God, what is it that you have for your servant today that you might know what the will is for you in the Lord? And then you, that you might walk in your day, confident that you are not doing so on your own ability, that you are not representing your own identity, and you're not pursuing your own way, but you are trusting in the Lord to provide, that you are pointing to the Lord that you represent and seeking to do the will of the Lord whom you serve. One, what would it be like for you to be a servant? who at the end of the day, in humility, you would praise God for allowing you to live your life for him, to thank him for what he did that day, confessing for how you fell short and then resting secure that night that his redemptive blood is sufficient to cover your sin. And finally, may we hope in Jesus the king of the eternal kingdom, the one who prepares a place, who said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. May we all in this season rejoice, submit to, and hope in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God with us, Lord of our lives, and King of eternity. Come thou, long expected Jesus. Amen.